You can hear Above 180 on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Kindle Fire, and beyond, on demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. Now is the time to reinforce your bowling arsenal, and BowlerX.com is the online leader in price, service, and selection. With free insured shipping on every item we carry, including a complete line of pro shop supplies, as well as balls, bags, shoes, accessories, and more. Also check out the large selection of closeout and discontinued items at a fraction of their original cost. BowlerX.com, your online bowling superstore and proud sponsor of Above180.com. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg and Joey Serrar are ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, from Washington, D.C., and the Bowler's Pro Shop in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here are your hosts, Tim Berg and Joey Serrar. Well, with all the action going on at the USBC Open, I thought it'd be great if we sit down and chat with Matt McNeil. Matt is a USBC certified coach. He's also on staff with 900 Global slash AMF. And he is right now at the USBC Open in Reno. Uh, if you go to the showcase lanes, Matt is going to be there. Matt, you'll remember a couple of years ago, set the USBC All Events record with a 23-26 series back in 2010. And he followed that up with a 22-41 all-event total, which put him in third place last year. People also remember Matt uh, had back-to-back 800s in the USBC Open as well. So, Matt, want to thank you for joining us tonight. Well, thank you, sir. Uh, really appreciate being on the show. Well, Matt, let's begin. You are out in Reno at the USBC Open. You are with the Showcase Lanes, the 900 Global Showcase Lanes this year. You're uh, helping people. You're doing group coaching, you're doing uh, one-on-one coaching with video analysis, you're helping folks practice on the lanes beforehand. So why don't you kind of go through a little bit of what else you're doing out in Reno and kind of what people can expect if they sign up for a, a uh, time with uh, with you in Reno at the stadium. Well, down here at the Showcase Lanes, it's, of course, it's a brand-new state-of-the-art facility. It's, it's just an absolute beautiful facility. Uh, you know, a lot of people remember the old restaurant and uh, things like that. And so it's, it's, they've really uh, done a great job down here. And basically, um, I'm down here doing all the VIP lessons. So if you do sign up for the VIP program, an hour uh, one-on-one session is included uh, with me into that package. Um, and also what I'm finding is a lot of the VIPs are actually bringing their nine other teammates down. And the nine other teammates can... Uh, join the VIP and we'll do actually a team lesson and a lot of people are electing to do that. Also, um, you can just, uh, if you got 10 guys, five guys, whatever the number is, you can just get me for an hour here on the showcase lanes and basically we'll go through everyone's bag, talk about equipment selection, talk about lane type. Um, and then actually we'll do, we'll spend a whole hour on the lane, uh, talking about how to work together as a team, how to break the pattern down to create a much more playable and higher scoring uh, pattern out there. And then we'll also go over some mental things. And then I'll do a little one-on-one with everybody during the hour and just uh, give them a little small physical thing that they can improve just to get that shot accuracy up there and get the release uh, maybe a, a little crisper. 
and uh, get the carry up there a little bit. So, but overall, it's been it's been uh, tons of positive feedback. Everybody's really enjoyed the time, and it's uh, I've definitely been making a, a really positive difference out here, which is for, for as a coach, it's very gratifying. Well, Matt, one of the things people always try to do beforehand, before they uh, come out to Reno, is what they'll try to do is they they set it up at their local center and they try to get it as close as they can to what they what they have at their local house. And what'll happen inevitably is it won't play anything like what it played like at your local house. And then you'll go back and you'll complain to your local house. But in reality, the only way uh, to do this, you know, before what you guys do now with the showcase lanes was you kind of had to try and play around and guess. Well, now with the showcase lanes, you're able to actually do that and set up the pattern and practice on it. And it, what are people telling you? Is it playing pretty similar on the uh, front? It plays down by you guys, and when they take their take their equipment and go upstairs. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, they're using the same oil, which you can't find anywhere else, uh, the Kegel Ice oil. Um, the only you're going to find it in two places. That's downstairs and upstairs. Um, and then secondly, the lane surface down here is, is brand new. So the lane surface down here has never been played on. So when you go upstairs, you're going to a pretty much seven, eight year old synthetic surface. That's been seen a lot of national tournaments, men's, women, a lot of side tournaments throughout the year. So that's a lot of traffic. So down here, they hook about, you know, about two more on the back end, maybe three. And then when you get upstairs, people say, well, you know, they, they play tighter. Well, they don't play tighter. They just hook more closer to the foul line versus down lane because the ball doesn't get down the lane as easy as it does upstairs with all the, with the beat up surface versus down here on a brand new surface ball gets through the front a lot easier and then saves energy. Hence it hooks more on the back end. So I believe they're very similar. It's just a matter of where the ball wants to start its uh, directional change. Is the, is the difference. And that's about two, three boards in, in what I've been seeing and what I've watched. Matt, I have a question for you regarding equipment choices, uh, not necessarily for those of us yet to bowl, but equipment choices that maybe you've had success with at the Open Championships over the last few years. Uh, again, your record the last few years speaks for itself, unequaled by anyone that I've known in, in the history of the tournament. So uh, if you'd be willing to kind of share what you've used equipment-wise and layouts, uh, we'd appreciate it. Well, sure, Joe. Um, the last three years, I've, I've used 900 Global Equipment exclusively. And I've used, um, in 2010 and 2011, I used uh, the breakout uh, with a pin-down drilling, uh, no hole. Uh, just something, I just wanted something to, to pick up the front part of the lane and, and just kind of stop, and that would give me uh, some extra push. My my general miss is to the right, um, so when I can create a little more push, then uh, obviously my score my scoring will usually go up. And then also in 2011, I used the pink eagle, and then in 2012, I used a pin-down breakout and a pin-down uh, favorite, uh, both by 900 Global. And once again, the, the goal is, is is usually the same because, you know, if we're bowling on 39 feet or 41 feet or something like that, usually on those patterns, I'm trying to create push to the right. I use drillings that pick up the lane a little sooner and transition less sharply. And, uh, and that usually allows me to play a straighter angle, which, of course, the old term straighter is greater. And so that's that's what's really aided me in my success over the last three years 
especially just being with the 900 global brand there, the equipment just seems to really match with my style of play very well. So, so the, the general theme appears to be more pin downs than pin ups, and in fact, all pin downs. Uh, regarding the pin down feature being a slower transitioning layout, do you swing the mass bias or the PSA further left to, say, lessen the, the drilling angle to help create early roll as well? On a few balls, I have done that, and then I'll throw a hole down there. Um, my bank roll, I did do that, which I used in team, and I had 792 in team last year with that, and I did I, I swung those and put a hole down, and that really helped the ball pick up and really slow down. I mean, on that pattern, there was a lot of book towards the middle part of the lane, so I really needed to slow the ball down to control that, um, especially if I, could, if I got it right. So I used that, and then also my favorite, um, I needed a smaller hole because um, I swung the CG out a little bit on that one as well, so I needed a smaller hole down as well. So both those layouts worked very, very well for me uh, last year on the 39-foot pattern. And I'm, I'm really thinking for this year's 39-foot pattern, I'm going to use probably, I won't use the same balls, but similar layouts. I'm probably looking at like a Mamba Hybrid by AMF or a War Eagle by 900 Global. Um, but I have a few other, uh, I have a few blank breakouts in the bag as well. So I think I'll be, I'll be, uh, busting one of those out for this year. So, you know, again, regarding equipment, one final question, and then I'm sure Tim will chime in. Uh, did you choose these layouts with the pin downs and, and small holes and lower drilling angles after practicing on facsimiles of the pattern, or did you just kind of, assess it through conversations, say, with Eric Thomas of 900 Global or, or other bowlers who've had insights uh, regarding pattern layout? No, I, I really chose my layouts based on, uh, based on lane graphs and looking at the, at the pattern and then considering the lane surface. And that's really what's dictated my layouts. I mean, not only for this tournament, but when I went to the Masters in New Jersey, um, I, I didn't get to throw on that pattern. I actually missed my official practice session, so I just kind of had to, I had to kind of really wing it and just go by my instincts of the lane surface and uh, and the pattern out there, and then drill for that. So really, all my drillings for this tournament exclusively are really based off of, um, you know, lane pattern, looking at the lane graph. Um, of course, the drop rush feature uh, always plays in there. And then, you know, the lane surface, and that really trumps everything. you, you got to keep in mind the lane surface and the lane topography really overrides anything that you're going to put on top, and that's really the heart of the matter. So you really got to uh, consider that even more than the pattern when you're putting together your arsenal for the tournament. So, man, I have a two-part question for you here. First one is going to deal with when we talked earlier in the when people come to you at the showcase lanes. Let's say you get that guy when you're looking through his bag, and he comes to you with five or four bowling balls. Let's say he brings you four bowling balls, and they they all have a pinup or something that you think you know what this isn't the greatest. Uh, this isn't the greatest. What's going to work up here? Aside from saying, hey, stop over at 900 Global and pick yourself up X ball or pick up your favorite bowling ball from one of the booths. 
is there something you maybe do? Do you maybe tell them to change surfaces, uh, or, or or what do you do? How do you handle that as I guess as delicately as you can, to be honest? Um, and then I guess the second part is dealing with surfaces. You know, a, a lot of people have used the old you know old uh, mo that we come out and, and for team we're going to use something uh, with a, with a, you know a little bit of surface to it. And then the old thought was always you know for your for your doubles and singles. You're going to need something with a little uh, little polish on it. Now, uh, what are your thoughts on surfaces for this year's patterns? Well, uh, to to go with the first question, um, if somebody needs surface, you know, I I'm I'm very honest with people. I, I you know I I just kind of give it to them. I'm like, you really need some surface on that bowling ball. Otherwise, your games upstairs aren't going to be that fun. And that's really how I say it, um, because. You really have to, I believe you have to kind of put it, people very frankly and very bluntly to really get it across, get the point across that you do know better than they do because you've been, you know, I've been spent 11 years in the pro shop industry. I did, you know, I was four years as a lane guy. Um, you really just have to drive that point home to kind of get them over the edge to just let you touch up their ball. You know, and, and I like to keep it light. You know, I'll be like, hey, if you don't like it, I won't charge you for it, and then I'll bring it back to what you had it after. And, uh, you know, usually you can, you can go put some surface on a ball, and then they come out, and uh, they go bang, bang, bang. You put them in the right part of the lane, and they got a smile on their face, and then you just charge them $5 for a surface change. And, and they're as happy as, as happy as can be, like they just found 50 bucks on the street. So. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I'm doing there. I mean, as far as the new ball recommendation, I, I, the first question I always ask is, what's your favorite brand? Do you have a favorite brand? Do you, is there a brand that you like to be with? And, you know, some players are very brand specific. They like, yeah, I, I really like Stormaclick. I really like uh, Ebonite, or Track, or Brunswick, or Hammer, or Visionary, or whoever. It doesn't matter. Um, I, you know, like I said, I was in the, I'm still in the pro shop industry back home, and so I'll basically I I'm up to date on everybody's arsenal. So I just tell them, well, this ball with this layout will be very good for you. And I'll actually just take a piece of paper, draw a layout on it, and uh, you know, give them my card and send them up. I know all the booth guys upstairs, so I'll send them upstairs. And if they have any questions, they can come down and, and talk to me. But um, you know, I just send them upstairs with a layout and a ball to get, and, uh, and that's how we do it. So it, it works out pretty well and that way. You know, as a coach, I'm not, you know, going against my ethics of just shoving 900 global down everybody's throat. I mean, there's there's always a situation where our equipment is going to be great in somebody's hands, and then there's players who our equipment won't be so good in their hands. And that's when you just got to be a coach and, and do what's best for the player and say, well, this is the, ultimately the ball that would really roll well for you and help you succeed out. So that's, uh, that's what I take into account when I do that. As far as surfaces for the tournament, um, it was weird. Lodge Lane 2 just shot 35-38. Uh, kind of proved me wrong. Um, you don't need a whole lot of surface early. Um, I've been telling everybody 2,000. I talked to John Gaines, and his team started with 1,000 and then went to Shine. And I told people, don't throw Shine. I said, you know, just 2,000, 3,000, 4,000. And, you know, don't really you shine to get through the front part of the lane because the ball will have dissipated so much energy. You're just going to get a, a big X down lane. It's going to slide or it's going to snap hook on you. So they kind of proved me wrong. And, um, so really taking that into account, but on the other hand, they're all extremely, extremely, extremely good bowlers. 
And so I think they broke down the lane in a manner that a lot, 95% of the other teams probably can't do out here. So I'm, I'm really sticking to my guns that you shouldn't be using uh, 1,000. You, you should really just be using 1,500 to 2,000 to, to start team event. And then, you know, as you start to move left going up in your surfaces, 3,000, 4,000, I really don't think polish is necessary. Um, the front part of the lane, the mid part of the lane, that's, that's the friction. You really have to play that part of the lane if you want to be successful at the stadium. I don't feel you can get something to, to skate through that all that friction and traffic up front there and then still get it to recover on the back end. I think the ball's just going to lose too much energy and not be able to make it back, or it's just going to weak pin or four pin or something like that for you. So, And then singles and doubles, I think you need more surface something closer to Baton Rouge, um, so I'd say 1,000, 1,500, uh, going up four, five, six, and then migrating left and, and going up, you probably do 2,000, 2,000 once you start to get in left and open up the lane. Right, and, you know, Matt, I, I totally agree with your assessment that 1,500 to 3,000 grits for team should match up best for most player styles. Uh, and, again, the, the Lodge team, you know, the, the quality of players there is five all-stars on one team uh, who I'm sure have the ability to either increase or decrease their axis tilts and rotations. And it does appear to me as though lower axis rotation could be beneficial in this year's tournament so the ball doesn't, let's say, react too aggressively to friction down lane. And that's where surface can come into play as well not just to give bowlers a good look from foul line to break point, but to temper the back end part of the lane as well. Are you, do you kind of feel that way as, as well? Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And that's, that's really what I'm telling people. You know, you don't, if you think about it, if you're, if you're on, a, on the team pattern, okay, and you're going up, you know, seven to 10, you only really got to cross about 10 boards to make it to the pocket. So do you want something that's going to go down and try to banana peel? No. You want something that's going to read a little sooner, flare less, and be more controllable. Roll more on the back end. And how do you get the ball to roll more on the back end? You use a drilling that starts up sooner, and you use a little surface to help that out as well. So, I mean, you're exactly right on that. So, Matt, last week we talked to Mo Pinnell in, in that interview. Uh, we have a whole section uh, dedicated to the USBC Open, and some of the folks were chatting with to uh, get their thoughts and perspective on things. And one of the things that Mo Pinnell thought for the USBC Open for doubles and singles was that you either had to be playing outside, like you're, you're saying, outside, play the twig area, or make a huge jump in and play around, say, third arrow. Um, his thought was that if you, tr you tried playing around the track, you were just you were out of bounds. You were you were uh, going to be in trouble the whole the whole time, and you weren't going to score very well. Or what what his words were, I believe, is you can play there, but you're going to shoot about 150. <laughs> um, would would you tend to agree with Mo's assessment of of like you said? Now you did say playing four, five, six. So it sounds like you at least agree with that part. Now, if you're say a guy who has more hand, though, could could you maybe start around third arrow and, and try to attack the lanes that way? Well, anybody who thinks he should play in, I want you guys. Anybody hearing my voice right now who thinks. You should play in. Go watch John Gaines's team of uh, live stream of singles and doubles, and that will give you your answers. Because they tried to do that, and they didn't do very well. Uh, JJ did, you know, he did good, but twenty-one sixty-nine. Let's face it, that's not a winning score. Team Tilt, they tried playing all playing in, and you know they did okay, 
but let's face it, those aren't winning scores either. I mean, our, I don't, I mean, you know, if you're out here to do mediocre, yeah, I, I invite you. I, in fact, I applaud it. If you want to come out here and do mediocre and, and fight the pair for six, for six games, you're more than welcome to start at third arrow. It's a 39 foot pattern and the middle is very flat. So you, if, if you, you say, well, that's the best place to play. I'll, I'll come back and challenge you. How are you going to create any push? How are you going to create any pattern development starting in the flat in 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 the middle on a 39 foot flat path? It's just not going to happen. You need to start left. You need to go up the twig, and then move in as you push oil to the left. And that's the only way, in my mind, to really break down the lanes effectively and create enough room to shoot what I would consider. A, a viable score that has a viable chance to win an eagle. So you need to let the lane help us out as opposed to trying to overpower or outsmart the lane. Kind of take what the lane gives you and work with it. Is that what you're trying to say, Matt? That's exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Is is you know, don't fight the lane. Do not I mean don't go against what the lane wants to do. The lane wants to hook a bunch. Why are you going to start the ball close to the head pin? You start the ball the furthest away from the head pin that you can get it. You know, it's just, I guess that thinking to me on a shorter pattern, would be like, you know, if we, and then people change it around because you go out to a singles tournament and you say, okay, yeah, we're bowling on a 39 foot short pattern. You know, everybody knows, oh yeah, well, yeah, then I'm going to play the gutter. But uh, you still get people who come up here and they're like, oh, we're going to, you know, we both came of that and it's only two feet shorter. We're still going to, you know, try to try to maneuver the ball. And it works a little bit. The carry isn't good. And you watch that John Gaines live stream, every shot that gets, that's not uber clean off the hand and is any somewhat left, it was split still. Right to the head pin, split. Bad carry and lots of split. Well, Matt, and, and I'd be... that, I, I invite you to... Oh, go ahead, sorry. No, 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 of course. Uh, I was just going to say, it seems like this last week, kind of lost in the shuffle with everything going on out in Reno, was we had the defending champions come out there last week, and and uh, Nicholas J's Pro Shop, too, from La Crosse, Wisconsin, came out. And that was a live stream that I, I watched a lot of. And I know we kind of, you know, you're watching it, and we say they, on, you know, they only had 3271. Um but it, it was kind of funny how watching the stream, what you had predicted was going to happen to them actually did happen because they had two of their folks that started a little bit further left than the rest of the team, and by the third game, they were in no man's land. Yeah, and they had massive over-under. If they kept it in between the rangefinders, it plaqued. If they got it right of the rangefinders, it burned up and either didn't make it back or hooked too much. So they had they made the lanes very hard on themselves. Um, they also started with a thousand grit. A lot of the guys started with a thousand, and I think that's what created the what helped create it, the over under, especially to the right. You know what didn't help things was Andy Mills and T.J. York. In my this is just in my mind, and you know I mean I respect those guys to the ninth degree because. They came out. They came out here with all the lights on them, and they are young, and they did amazing, and they bowled phenomenally. So I, I mean, I, if they're listening to this, I have all the respect in the world for those guys. However, if I was on the team, 
TJ York and Andy Mills, I know you guys aren't that good at playing straight. However, you got to go what's really better for the collective and and play straighter. I mean, especially TJ. Okay, so maybe you let Andy get in there and wheel and deal. As long as he's keeping his angle straighter, it's not going to be that bad. But TJ York, in my mind, was really the killer, uh, standing way left of everybody with a shinier ball and wheeling and dealing out there. And that's really what I felt attributed the over-under. And, you know, I, I do agree. Was he the one using the yellow misfit? Yeah, that was TJ. Yeah, okay. Was then, that yellow misfit. And, then I'll tell you, I, uh, I really saw... Really bellying it and crossing the pattern. So. Yeah, and I, I saw exactly what you described, and I, I wasn't sure who that was using that ball. And, uh, and, and again, it, that's all it takes is one or two players, good players, just not being in the same, let's say, frame of mind or frame of lane and it's enough to crisscross the pattern and and everything goes south. So, Matt, for this episode, let's leave it right there. Uh, I would like you to come back, though, next week. There's still lots of stuff we can hit on. Um, next, I guess, we'd like to hit on uh, lots of stuff with the bowler and, and got some really great insight. So I think we'll ask you to come back next week. So for Tim Burke, Joe Sarar, Matt McNeil, good luck and good bowling.